Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. During these days of schedule disruption, of working from home, of caring for your children and doing their, doing their homework with them, doing homeschool with them, we're all just getting a little bit tired of this, aren't we? I mean, you're just like, I want to get back to normal. I mean, at church here, we so want to gather again. And this is a, a challenging thing. I want to say I'm so appreciative of our team, of our staff, and all that they have done to adjust to make this work from uh, from Jim figuring out how to do all the technical things to Phil organizing the creative uh, things that we're doing uh, to Julie reaching out to Greg helping out with with all sorts of different issues to help us stay connected and Jonathan making a lot of phone calls and caring for our students and Genevieve there's just a lot going on I'm so grateful for our team but I do catch myself a lot of these days saying you know what I, I'm tired of this but let me ask you a question Would it be worth it if during these days God did something amazing in your life? Would that be worth it? Would it be worth all the COVID stuff and even the pain and even the the losses if God began to move through his people to do something incredible? Would that be worth it? This week, I got to hear from two pastor friends of mine. We have a, many of you know, we have a pastor's meeting uh, the first Thursday of every month, and there's 50 or 60 guys that gather. And this week and uh, this month, last month, it's been on Zoom. But we interviewed two pastors this week who have had the COVID-19 virus, who have been through the challenges of that. And it was fascinating to hear them talk and to hear of the pain. One of them was in the hospital for 11 days. He was in ICU I spoke with him during that time. And in the other one, his wife was in the hospital for seven days. He also had the virus, but not nearly as severe. Here's the thing that that I learned from them that was just so stunning. They both said that they've come through this experience on an incredible spiritual high. And that just doesn't mean they're happy. It just means they have had an experience with God That was one of the most meaningful of their entire lives. And it really stems from the point where they got to the place with God where all they could do was just cry out. All they could do was cry out, God, I need you to do something about this. One of them was, I I, I don't even know what to say anymore, God. And and he was so grateful that a lot of us were praying for him. And the other one was saying, God, I, I put my wife in an ambulance. I don't know if I'll ever see her again. Crying out to God. And they both said that they feel closer to God now than they ever have. And these are pastors. These are pastors. Would it be worth it? Would it be worth it if God drew you so close to him? Maybe closer than you've ever been. Well, today we're going to be talking about a story that really is so appropriate for Mother's Day because it deals with two unbelievable women and how they respond to God's drawing on their life. And this is a story of Ruth and Naomi. If you know me, you know that I love this story. Uh, I've done a lot of work on this, on this book, the book of Ruth. And I think it is so important for us to look at this on this Mother's Day 
and consider how these two ladies responded to the call of God. So the book of Ruth is um, right after the book of, of Judges, and um, that time in Israel's life is a very a chaotic time. It's a time when, um, when the people of God would go through this constant cycle of, you know what, uh, we're going to follow God, we're, we're on board, and then they slip into rebellion. And then they wind up being oppressed and defeated by their enemies. And they cry out to God and repent, and God rescues them through an incredible leader. But it's a constant cycle. There's very little consistency. There's very little stability among the people of God. And that's the setting of the book of Ruth. And we're going to look at the first chapter today and consider how we need to respond to God in crisis. So look with me, Ruth chapter 1. Verses 1 and 2, we'll start there. And, and again, I would encourage you, you're there in your jammies or whatever time you're watching this, get your Word of God out and actually look at it. It's so important that we do that, whether it's, I have my tablet, I have a real Bible here as well. Uh, you may have it on your phone, but I would urge you, go ahead and get your Word of God out. Let's read Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the days... When the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. His name was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. The names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went into the country of Moab and remained there. Really kind of interesting start to this story Here are people who live in the land of Israel. They live in the land of promise, the place that God brought his people to when he rescued them from Egypt. So they're there with God's people. They are from the town of Bethlehem, which sounds incredibly familiar, right? Bethlehem is where Jesus was born. It was known as the city of David. So this even predates David. And Bethlehem, as many of you know, means house of of bread. Probably there was a granary there, but it's, it's set up perfectly because ultimately Jesus, the bread of life, is going to be born in the town of Bethlehem, the house of bread. So there's a famine in the land, and Elimelech decides it's time to leave. Now for us, we would think that that's no big deal. Things get tough. Maybe you needed to leave your company to go to another company or you needed to relocate. Many of us, we've moved. Our kids have moved all over the country. Some, some of you have moved from places all over the world. So that doesn't really get us. But in these days, that was a really big deal because Elimelech is leaving the place where God is at work. Remember, the children of Israel were God's special people, that he was going to bless the world through his particular special people. And the land that they lived in was land that God had given them for for them to display God's greatness. So when Elimelech leaves, it's something we really need to pay attention to. He leaves the land of Judah and he goes into the land of Moab. Moab is, in general, It's an enemy of the people of God. It's really just across the Jordan. It's not very far away. Um, But it is is when the, the original writer of this wrote this and people would read this, they would see that as one of God's people leaving their homeland 
to go to dwell in enemy territory during hard times, during some of the chaos that happened in the land of Israel. So God's people are having a hard time, and one of God's people decides they're going to go to the land of Moab. It's interesting, it says that Elimelech was a part of the clan uh, of the Ephrathites, and that's that's a clan, probably an aristocratic clan, maybe descendants of Caleb's wife. And um, so he's not only just one of God's people, he is an important part. He's a part of an important family, an important clan. So you wonder, why does he leave when times are hard? It could be that he just said, you know what, I think I can make more money. I can do better over there in Moab. Or maybe there was a dispute within the clan. Maybe there was a power play that he lost. Maybe things had gone badly. Maybe for some reason he felt like he needed to leave. So Elimelech says, I'm going to leave the land. Names in Ruth are really important because names in the Bible, especially at this time, really speak into the character of the person. And Elimelech's name means God is king. So get this, there's a lot of irony in this story. Elimelech, God is king, is leaving the land where God is king to go somewhere else. And he takes his wife, Naomi, which means joy or sweetness. Uh, It's almost like you would call her honey. Uh, Naomi is a very, very sweet name, and it, it would naturally speak into her character. And he has two sons. Malan and Chilean, and that usually, de- depending on the commentator, these are, not, um, these are not names that would speak well of you. Usually they, they mean like sickly, um, weak. Um, they're not strong names. And they go into the land of Judah, and they remain there. It's important for us to understand that if you are Naomi at this point, because she's really the center of this story, She marries a man named God is king, and the next thing you know, he's taken her away from the land where God is king. Keep that in mind as we continue, as we continue on to the next set of verses. Verse 3 says, But Elimelech, the husband of Naomi, died, and she was left with her two sons, and these took Moabite wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. And both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. This is catastrophic. A woman in those days had no really honorable way to make a living when she lost, when she became a widow, especially in a foreign land. And so here she is, her two sons have married foreign women, women who were not from a people that would worship God, and her two sons die. Now, if I'm Naomi, or if you're Naomi, you have to think, what has God done in my life? What's happened? This this God that I worshipped in my homeland, and, and I married this man whose name means God is king, And instead of drawing me closer to God, he's actually moved me away from God. I thought when I married him because of his name and who he seemed to be, that we would get closer to God. But in reality, now he's taken me away from God and I'm 10 years in a foreign land at least. 
and now he's dead. So God, you, you had me marry someone who took me away from you, and you've taken him from me. Not only that, you've taken from me my two sons who were my heritage, who were to take care of me in my old age and, and give me a reason, really, for my whole existence. I, I'm shattered. That's how most of us would think about it. And it's so important for us to see who Naomi is in this moment and what she does. She's left with her two daughters-in-law. She's left with Orpah, which some commentators believe means turn back, and Ruth, um, which means to satiate or to satisfy. Um, She's left with them. Dead husband, two dead sons, her, her, her boys were married to these girls for 10 years and they bore no children. And it's an important thing to understand at this point that 10 years was all you really got in those days. And if you were married 10 years and you didn't produce a child, in some parts, in some cultures, um, and it could have been true in these days in the land of Israel, that you could get a different wife at that point. There was other remedies to take place for you to have children as a man because it was assumed that the woman was the problem. So you would think Naomi would be crying out, saying, God, what have you done to me? But see, that's what crisis is all about, isn't it? Crisis is all about what we will do in relationship to God. Will we respond to him and say, God, you're God and I'm not. Or will we say, you know what, I've followed God. I've done the best I can. I didn't deserve this crisis and turn away from him. See, it may be true for your life that you have had people in your life that took you away from God's people. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've walked away from the church Because the church is God's people. It's God's people. It's Gentiles grafted into God's original people, the Jewish nation. Maybe you've had difficulty among God's people. Maybe the churches you've been a part of were chaotic and poorly led and constantly changing. Or maybe they were just irrelevant. And you've walked away from the church. You've walked over to Moab. I want to urge you, as we go through, continue to go through this story, is God drawing you back to him through this crisis? What is your response to the COVID crisis as it relates to God? You see, every crisis is always an opportunity to return to God, for God's people to return to him. So let's look and see what Naomi does. Verse 6. Then she, this is Naomi, she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Wow. Wow. So here's Naomi, and one of the characteristics of Naomi we see throughout the story is she believed God is absolutely in control, that God is absolutely sovereign. What a blessing. She knows that even if she doesn't agree with God, what God does, that he is God. And she has to figure out how to fit into his plan. So here's a woman who has been entered into a crisis that was not her fault, suffered really the most devastating blows that a mother and a woman could feel. 
And what does she do? She says, I've heard God is blessing his people. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back. I love this about her. Verse 7. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went... Uh, the, and they, um, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. Now, I got to understand that the culture was that you would kind of walk someone part of the way. Like, if they're leaving you you're, and they're going on a journey, you would, like, walk them out to the main road. For us, it would be like walking someone to the door. You know, when someone's going to leave your house, you generally don't just say, hey, see ya. You say, hey, let me walk you to the door. And you, you walk them, you open the door. And you may even wave, and at our house we do the queen wave. So as people leave, you know, we know we love you and, and we're going to miss you. And so their culture was you would walk them to the main road. And so it would be natural for Orpah and Ruth to walk her to the main road as she departs for her homeland. But, it, but these daughters-in-law, for some reason, think, they're thinking they're going with her. Um. So verse 8, but Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. Really interesting. Naomi is giving them a send-off speech, right? He's saying, okay, you all have been faithful and she's even saying that I believe that my God, the Lord, which that name is Yahweh, which is his personal name, Yahweh, will bless you as you return to the house of your parents and you can find another husband. This is what would be best for her. I love that Naomi isn't saying, hey, listen, you owe me. I've been your mother-in-law for these last 10 years. You need to take care of me. No, she's saying, go back to your homes she is expressing great care and love for those closest to her, even though it's going to cost her something that she needs, and she needs help at this point. See, Naomi's probably in her 40s. These uh, young girls, uh, Ruth and Orpah, are probably in the early 20s, would have been married around 12 or 13 in those days, so it's, they're probably 23-ish. Um, for us, that sounds young, but for them, they're late to get remarried. Um, and they have the challenge of they didn't produce children in their first marriage. But their best chance for them economically and, and to have an impact is to go back to their homes and to find another husband. And Naomi is giving them their release. And so she says, may the Lord grant um, you grace. Verse 10, and they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. What? That's crazy for them to say, we want to go back to Judah with your people they had such a connection with Naomi that they're saying, we would like to choose you over our own people. Wow. Think of what kind of a woman Naomi would have had to have been for them to do that. Even to say it, even if they didn't mean it, to even say it, no, we're going to go back with you. She had to be an incredibly wonderful woman, very sweet and believing her God was the God of the universe, and, an abs and one is absolutely in control. Verse 11, But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. 
If I should say I have hope and even I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marriage? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Here's what Naomi is saying. I don't have anything for you. And she makes this whole statement like, okay, you guys are 22. I'm in my 40s. If I had a husband today and I had a baby, would you wait until he was old enough to marry you? It's ridiculous. And really the essence of this is, I don't have anything to offer you. And there's nothing that I have to offer you in my homeland either. It's unlikely those men are going to want you. I don't have anything more to give you as the world would give. She does have her God she can give them, but she's wanting them to make a choice, and she's wanting them to understand that the normal worldly way to do things is to go back to your homes and to find a husband there, that it's going to be very hard to follow her and to go with her. And sure enough, Orpah says, you know what? I'm out. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and go. I appreciate you. I love you. I'm going to miss you. Uh, she weeps. Uh, this is a woman she would have been very, very close to. But she does the normal thing. And she turns and goes back. The Bible says that Ruth clung to her. Ruth, for some reason, Ruth clung to Naomi. And she doesn't want to let her go. It's an incredible scene. It's an incredible scene. Ruth chooses everything about Naomi instead of her own people. She chooses to go with her. And listen to what Ruth says uh, as a result of this. Ruth says this. She said, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I look at the wrong passage. Um, Ruth makes this incredible statement. Um, okay, here I am. She said, so your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, and you know this, you've heard this, this whole speech many times. She says, do not urge me to leave you and to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you, and where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Listen to that commitment that Ruth makes. Don't tell me to turn around. I'm committed to go with you. There's something in you, Naomi. I want to be you. I want to be like your people. I want to live where you live. I, I, wanna, I want your God to be my God. I love that. You know, the, the, the gods that the Moabites worshipped were, they were brutal gods and they did human sacrifice and all sorts of things like that. And, and Ruth is saying, I want your God because I've seen you have decided to trust and follow your God even though your life has not turned out anything like you wanted. See, there's a powerful message to those around us. When we choose to follow God, even when we're in crisis and things are against us. 
See, Naomi still trusted and believed that God uh, was awesome and that following him was absolutely the best thing she could do. And Ruth grabs onto that. She says, no, I, I want that. I want to be like that. I want to be someone who trusts God in that way. And so she goes with her. Here's the message from this whole scene. Um, when you face crisis, return to God to experience his blessing. And when God's people return to him, others will come as well. You see, it's what God does through his people that impacts the world. Our relationship with him and our closeness to him is what matters more than anything. You may have been led away by another. You may, have found your, you may find yourself today further from God than you've ever been. And it may be someone else's fault. That was Naomi's, that was Naomi's case. Or it may have been that you were hurt. It may have been that you have walked away from the church because it didn't meet your needs. Listen, the church is where God is at work. He chooses to use us imperfect people to bring his amazing message and to bring his amazing power into normal, everyday people. Yes, it is imperfect. Yes, there are struggles. Yes, there's going to be challenges, but God is at work even through that. You see, while Naomi was away for those 10 plus years, there were some tough times, but God again visited his people and he was blessing his people again. I'm thinking Naomi was probably feeling like, why did we ever leave? Why did God as king leave me away from the place where God is king? What about you today? Are you a long way from him? See, here's the thing. I would challenge you with this. You say, well, Steve, I'm close to God. I'm watching this for crying out loud. I'm watching two or three sermons a week now. I'm I'm connected. Let me ask you, was there a time you were closer to God than you are now? See, I believe for most of us, probably all of us, that none of us are as close to God as we think we are. None of us is as close to God as we could be. See, Naomi wakes up one day, her husband is dead, her two sons are dead, and she's a three days journey from home. She's not that far, but she needs to get a lot closer. Let me ask you, do you need to get a lot closer? Are there some things that you actually disagree with God about and you're kind of having an ongoing argument with him? Are there some things you need to say, God, I'm just going to trust you with that. And I'm going to believe what you've told me. I'm going to believe what you've taught me. Do you need to find a church today that will actually just preach the Bible? And I would urge you to do that. That's what we believe. There are others. But I want to urge you, wherever you are, some of you aren't even in the state, find a church that preaches what the Bible says and points you to Jesus Christ. Because he is using this crisis to draw people to himself in the same way that he used the crisis in Ruth and Naomi's life to draw them back to God's people and where God is at work. I want to urge you, come back to God. He's there. He's waiting. 
He wants to embrace you. The rest of the story is amazing, and I urge you to read it. Um, Ruth does return with Naomi. They come to the land of Judah. There's this incredible love story that happens between Ruth and Boaz. Ruth gets married. She bears a child named Obed. Naomi gets to be the grandmother. She gets to be the caregiver of this child. She, in effect, has offspring that she never would have had otherwise. Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David, the most awesome king the people ever had until Jesus Christ himself. And oh, by the way, David's line ultimately results in Jesus being born. Imagine if Naomi hadn't come back. She would have missed being a part of this incredible act of God to save the people of the world. Imagine if she had stayed in Moab and just moped around and said, you know what, God hasn't been fair to me. I'm just going to stay here and just live out my years in Moab far from God, just three days journey away. Oh, what she would have missed. Oh, the joy she would have missed of these generations of God's people coming from her and her daughter-in-law, Ruth. I urge you. You see, if you're one of God's people and you're away from him, there are people that you are influencing that will never come to God because you never did either. I urge you, come back to him. Return to him. Even if you think you're close, Return to him. Examine your heart today because God's people have got to be pure in order for him to work through them. Hold nothing back from him. Embrace him. Repent of any known sin and ask him to cleanse you and to use you and make yourself available to him. And you will be amazed at how people will come with you. Naomi never asked Ruth to come. She never did. Matter of fact, she discouraged her from coming. But when Ruth made her declaration, Naomi brought her home with her. And Ruth was used as an outsider to bring in the ultimate kings of the land of Israel. I want to urge you today, would you come back to him? Would you come back to him? Maybe you're like Ruth and you have never been a part of a church. You've never known Jesus Christ. You've, you've never asked him to save you from your sin. Do that today because this is where the God of the universe works through people just like you and he stands ready to save you, to embrace you and bring you into his people and use you to impact thousands, even millions. Don't miss out on that. I want to lead us in prayer. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, for those who would say today, I'm far from you, Lord, or maybe they're not even very far, Lord, if they may say, I've just gone a couple days' journey away. I'm still close enough to know what's going on. Lord, would you draw them back to you? Lord, don't let them stand outside of your people and miss the incredible blessing of your spirit, God, working within them. Oh, I long for that. I long for that. May no one be far from you, Lord. And I pray for those today who would say, you know, Steve, I... I'm far from God. I've never been close. Lord, would you bring them to the place of repentance where they would say to you, Jesus, would you forgive me of my sin and would you send your spirit to live within me so that I too can be used in your great mission of saving the world? 
Lord, thank you for the privilege of knowing you and of being able to proclaim what your word says. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.